Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thank you guys for joining us for yet another episode. Holla, holla, holla. And I do think this episode is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very different from what we have been doing recently. I'm a little nervous. And it, I'm a little nervous. Well, I've tried these already. I'm a little so. nervous based on honesty. Okay. Well, you can be honest. Um, oh, I plan on it. You're gonna, you're gonna be honest. That's good. And this also leads us into what might be next week's, or at least uh, two weeks from now's episode, which I have teased already. So we'll explain that all in a second. But first, you can find us all over the podcast world. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, 1080TheFan.com, Omni, and uh, wherever you find us. If you have yet to do so, subscribe because it helps. Yep. Rate it five stars. We're gonna be billionaires because it helps. Comment because it makes us feel good. And I it actually, probably also helps. I actually do like positive feedback. That's all I want to hear. In fact, <laughs> no, no constructive criticism. In fact, I'm so sick of all the news media outlets these days that I just want one that's going to actually tell me what I want to hear. Oh, okay, right, because yeah. they're all telling you what you don't want to hear. Exactly, right? and right. I'm 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 over this negative thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Positive reinforcement. Really positive reviews. Even if you're lying, it doesn't matter. Just positive, positive, positive. <laughs> Five stars. Best guys ever. God, they're the coolest dudes I've ever met. In I my hated life. craft beer till I listened to an episode, and now I love it. All of a sudden, it's amazing. My taste buds changed despite, from it. They're magic. Despite the fact that you guys are morons, I keep listening every week. Hey. You might be morons, but you're my morons. Ah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm all sad. Uh, <laughs> like, ha- like happy sad. Like, oh, that's so, uh, so cute. that's where you can find us. You can also find us on social media. I'm at MikeLynch27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And we as a podcast are on Instagram at Beers on Us, where we post pictures of our various beer travels as well as little preview pictures of the podcast. So go follow us there and you can like and comment and dm us and we see them all and it's been a lot of fun so far i've never been an instagram guy ever and it's been a lot of fun to kind of interact with that in some sense using the beers on its instagram page so that's where you can find us now the thing i was teasing for either next week or two weeks from now whenever we have time to do it is our next tasting room episode but doing it in a way that we are tasting beers that we just haven't had in a while yeah and seeing how they've changed and it's not necessarily the OG beers, but beers that have been around for a long time, core brand beers that we haven't had for years. And have they changed? Do they taste like we remember them tasting? Uh, that might mean they haven't changed. Say like, a, for example, like a Total Domination from yes. Nkasi, a Laurelwood Red, yes, um, the, the Organic Red, stuff like that of that vein. And if you guys have any suggestions along that kind of area, so they, it's almost like these breweries fall into like tier two. I call tier one like <clears throat> Widmer, Deschutes, McMinimins, um, the OG beers the o- podcast, the OG we did. beers that we've done, Rogue, things like that. If there's anybody in this like tier two kind of area that I would consider like Laurelwood, Lompoc, uh, Ninkasi, stuff like that, um, if you have any suggestions, please hit us up. Let us know. We want to we want to kind of hone in and get all sorts of styles. And it's it's just something that I kind of thought in my head because I drank. Well, I can't remember what beer it was, but I had a beer that I hadn't had for a very long time, and it felt like it t- Oh, it was the Inversion IPA from Deschutes, because they still box that and sell that. Right. I hadn't had that since the first time I went there, basically, because I wasn't an IPA guy, but I tried it on a sample tray, and it tasted way different than I remember it tasting back then. Now, that's not because it necessarily had a change recipe, but my palate has changed. Right. So it was more, it's kind of like an experiment. And with that being said, today's episode is kind of like a tasting room, but I'm going to call it more... Uh, where have you been all my life? No, I'm not going to call it that <laughs> at all. Uh, I think I'm going to call it something like... Brick Road. Ooh. Well, Elton John? <laughs> all right, all right. 
Um, karaoke the other night, so it's like all in the brain. <laughs> did you karaoke Elton John the other night? Damn right I did. Can mm. I say damn on the radio? Of course. Okay. You can say whatever on a podcast. I can just bleep it out later if you mess it up. <laughs> the Harry Doyle, that that major league. You can't say damn on the radio. <laughs> uh, who cares? Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for this episode, I think I want to call it Let's Experiment. Ooh. Because the, the episode this week, and I, I'm going to try to set this up as best as I can. Occasionally on Sundays, because I, I work on Sundays, I cannot go grocery shopping. Right. And my wife will go do it for us, which is very nice of her. And She's a peach. When I need beer, I'll say, hey, can you just get me a, a big beer or two six-packs or whatever? A big beer being a case. And, you know, we're, we're shopping at a supermarket, so my options are not exactly the most... Uh, diverse. You know, I get a lot of the same options. It's very nice when I see a new beer that pops up there. I'll always grab that. Yep. And uh, but when, my, when my wife grabs the beer, she's now calling me the craft beer elitist because of this podcast. <laughs> she uh, she doesn't Come really to the dark side. She doesn't really think about it. She just grabs a box. So I got home Sunday and I opened the fridge and what is sitting in there but a IPA variety pack by Widmer Brewing. Woo! Now, I've never been a huge fan of Widmer. I don't love the Hefeweizen. The original Hazy. Yes, that is Hefeweizen. true. I'm not a huge fan of that style, so I just never really got into it. I know it's a very approachable beer, but it's not my favorite style in general. To be fair, it's not really a Hefeweizen. It's an American wheat. Well, it's an American Hefeweizen, if you believe Woodbridge's marketing brand. Sure. Um, and I went, well, you know, like, that's not exactly what I wanted. And she was like, oh, you're, you're too good for Woodbridge now? And I was like... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of actually. Um, I'm a little too good for this. But what I what I will say I, I didn't throw it out. Like I, I am drinking the beer at home. And what I will say is I actually was surprised by these by these four beers. I've had one of each now. And my idea was let's experiment. Widmer has been sold, right? And there is a little news we're gonna bring you about that in, in a second too. Has the beer changed in quality and taste after the sale? in your opinion, and it kind of relates to the episode we're teasing because, I mean, when's the last time you had an upheaval IPA or a deadlift IPA? Ooh, deadlift longer than an upheaval, but an upheaval, I mean, I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say this, a solid 10 years. Right. So it's kind of like, hey, does this taste the same as you remember it tasting? But also, since they've been sold, has the quality really changed? Because that's always the discussion is when a brewery sells to big beer, there seems to be a high chance that their core brands are going to change in quality because they want to up the production, which means cheapening the ingredients and quickening See. the process. See. Uh, that doesn't mean all their local beers or their small batch stuff are, are going to be bad, but the other stuff tends to change in quality and it tends to be negative. So I wanted to bring these four beers with us and try them and kind of... Uh, Let's do that experiment and see how they've changed in our in our palates and in our minds. I'm down. This is this is going to be fun. So let's get to that in a second. I want to quickly do your week in beer. Mine was non-existent. I drank a lot of wine this week, and my parents were in town. But you went to Seattle. I did. You got to go to Rubens, and you go anywhere else? Yes, I went to Rubens, Fremont, and I snuck in a stop at Hales Ales because I didn't realize that it's right by the second Rubens location, which I hadn't been to. Hales Ales. Uh, is is a Seattle brewery near and dear to my heart, uh, as I'm sure like uh, like Pike's Brewing uh, is probably a, a, a near and dear to a lot of Seattle people just because it's one of the older ones. Uh, when I went to Wazoo, I drank a lot of Mongoose and Super Goose IPAs from Hales, and they had an ESB a long time ago at this bar I used to go to and work at. That they with that on draft with Nitro Guinness, they'd make black and tans. So um Hales is a brewery that definitely speaks to the young craft beer drinker in me. So will today's episode. Yes. So I had to swing in there and I had a pint of super goose and bought a little bit of beer to, to take home with me. Uh but I stopped by the Rubens kids. Um Rubens is my favorite brewery in Seattle. I think uh I think what they do is absolutely fantastic, whether it's light beer. Berliner Weiss, Gosa, IPAs. Um, I think they make some really, really great stuff. They do cool things with rye. Um, and I'd been to the original location many times. I dropped off some Breakside beer for them because I'm just a fanboy at this point. And I went to the new location, uh, met Ben, who was kind of working there that day, gave me a tour of the new spot. Um, I got some Oktoberfest beer to take home, which I haven't drank yet. Um, and a couple Crowlers of Kolsch. And I just think their beer is heavenly, and I was very happy. And then I stopped at Fremont. I don't— You're wearing a Fremont shirt right now. Oh, I am wearing a Fremont shirt. Um, I've had this shirt for a long time. 
I think I've I think we've mentioned on this podcast before. This is one of the few brewery shirts that are non Breakside that I own and wear. Yeah. Um, I love this shirt. It's really comfortable, and I have a big drive ahead of me today, so I put it on. I stopped in Fremont today, or Fremont, to see if maybe they had gotten a fresh hop beer on because they're a pretty big brewery that they might have, like, jumped on the Centennial thing. I knew they do uh, Field Fresh or what, whatever their uh, ho- uh, fresh hop series was called, and Centennial's already been harvested in a lot of places. So I thought maybe they had some. They didn't. I had uh, an English pale ale, which was quite nice. I actually really enjoyed it. You can find it on the Beers on Us Instagram page. And that was great. So it's, it was nice. I didn't have a ton of time, but it was nice to just kind of swing through and kind of check in. And everybody's doing well in Seattle, as, and that which is such a budding, emerging brew city that, you know, still got a little bit of work to go. But they've got people in place to really kind of carry the torch. I'd throw Georgetown in on that. You know, I know a lot of people love Cloudburst. Uh, and Holy Mountain, uh, to name a few other ones. But, you know, they've got the infrastructure set. They just now need to grow and push each other, and and hopefully the pallets in Seattle kind of follow up. Sounds a lot of fun. I uh, I wish I could have gone to breweries when I was in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, but uh, like we said last week on the podcast, maybe we can do an episode up there, go to a couple places. and Yeah, it'd be really fun. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to make friends with some people at Rubens. I'm sure Fremont would be more than willing to do something with us, and, yeah, that'd be a great time. So the, keep the, keep that in mind. Also, you mentioned Fresh Hop. That was something I forgot to tease. Uh, we want to do multiple Fresh Hop episodes this year because there's so many different beers that are coming out. So that might be coming also next week. We might do that and then the tasting room and then another Fresh Hop or something like that. So just keep that in mind is what we're going to be looking at in the future. I haven't had one yet. I saw you've been drinking some Fresh Hop. I'm very excited and uh, looking forward to doing that as well. I almost brought in Elliot from Ex Novo Centennial Fresh Hop, um, but when I went to go pick up a beer for Beer of the Week today, the place that I went to was out of it, mm. although they had it on draft, which I thought was really funny. Um, but I would definitely go check that out. I mean, my the only word I have for it is stanky. Like it was last year, right? Yeah, I mean, it is just, for lack of better terms, stanky. It was uh, you're drinking marijuana. Yeah, yeah, a lot of hops in your face. Um, just kind of a classic, like borderline too vegetal, but not too bad. I I enjoyed it. I had a can, and then I've had it on draft since. Um, it's nice. Check it out. I hope they do the Amarillo because that's that watermelon bomb that I really love. But I mean, if you want a good IPA that's already on the market in a fresh hop, the Elliot X Novo is the way to go. I've had the level Oktoberfest, which had fresh holler tau, I believe in it, which I thought was really good. I couldn't necessarily get the fresh hop flavor to it, but the beer was so bright and the body was so crisp and clean that I think the fresh hops kind of added to that. So if you see some of that, that's in cans. If you see some of that from level, that's one of the better level beers I've had in a while. Nothing against them, but it was a beer that I tasted and just kind of went, wow, what a great, great beer. And I saw you had an Occidental Fresh Hop as well. Occidental Fresh Hop Pilsner. I couldn't find what the Fresh Hop was because they um, – didn't say on the can, and I couldn't find anything online. It just said Northwest Fresh Hop, so it might have been a blend of something. I don't know. It could have been an, uh, a lesser-known hop. I'm not quite sure. I won't, uh, you know, try to guess that. Um, but it was nice. It came across It came across to me a lot more like what we're seeing now. A big trend is the dry hop pilsner. You know, a lot of people are doing dry hop pilsners all over the place. It's kind of the, I wouldn't say like a big-time trend, but in our lager theme of 2019 i've been starting to see a lot of people uh, aggressively dry hopping some loggers and th- it came across that it was it was nice cool. i i would drink a lot of that beer again similar to the level i didn't get a whole lot of fresh hop aspect that could also be because the elliot was so bam bam in my face um but it was but it was a very solid beer that i would have more of very excited to get diving into fresh hops as well so and let's we've just begun i'm very excited let's experiment huh let's do it which one you want to do first? So we've got four IPAs from Woodburn in front of us. You've got the Upheaval, mm-hmm. which is their classic IPA. You've got the Deadlift, which was their Imperial IPA. There is the Russell Street, which uh, I see a lot of at Moda Center. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure what I makes it. I see a it. lot at Providence Park. So at the sporting events, mm-hmm. it's like the it's like the secondary IPA that they've been doing now. And then a Secret Stash IPA, which I did not actually read what was on that. So where do you want to start? You want to go newest or classic? I think you just named the order. Okay. I think you 100% just nailed the order. All right, I think upheaval. you start with Upheaval and Deadlift because they're the OGs. I think Russell Street has been around for a little while now. It was kind of really their 
uh, popular pub series beer. And then Secret Stash is something I've been seeing a little bit at Moda Center, but I definitely see both of them at Providence Park. All right, so let's start with the upheaval then. And uh, because we're in a different studio today, Patrick's going to have to leave the microphone to walk the beer over to me because there's lots of expensive equipment in between the two of us. I feel like I'm being interviewed because I'm a famous British pop star. Yes, except that never happens in the studio anymore. Um, so, yeah, we've got Upheaval IPA. Thank you. And uh, this is a Northwest-style India Pale Ale, according to, the, according to the label, which means I'm going to likely expect to get a little bit of a maltier profile than a hoppier profile, right? Not West Coast IPA, Northwest IPA. Right, I saw that. And the interesting thing about that is I don't remember that beer ever saying Northwest-style IPA. Um, that's probably, you know, a nice, good little marketing strategy to get that a little bit more on the market. But what was interesting in that beer sitting next to all three of these in a decent amount of light is that was the one beer of the three that was not, that is not clear in its bottle. And it is, it's got a little haze to it. It's got a touch of haze. Um, the, the four of them, you can kind of see, I took a picture that I'll probably put on our, uh, Instagram page that you can I don't know if you'll be able to make it out I haven't looked but I'm looking at Secret Stash Deadlift Russell Street they're all fairly clear in the bottle and I when Upheaval was sitting next to it I could tell I was like oh one of you is not like the other well it doesn't taste like a hazy beer it just has that haze to it which could be an aesthetic thing I mean with that's that's a big thing with hazy IPAs these days it's not necessarily the juiciness you know, and the softness and the low bitterness, some of it is just perception. Like, people just want to see that it's kind of hazy. Well, the mix too cool and trendy, like a famous British pop star. <laughs> Take a sip. Uh, let me know what you think, because my first sip was almost no bitterness at all, except for at the very back end, which is interesting. And it kind of just doesn't taste like an IPA that much to me. Yeah which is strange. It tastes like a really malty IPA, except at the very back end, it gets some of the bitterness of the hops. I do wonder if maybe they put some haze in this. I don't remember this being hazy uh, myself. So I don't know if they put some haze in this as a way to kind of be popular or to cut down some of the bitterness, but it's not bitter at all. It's just a very malty IPA. This beer tastes like old hops to me. Okay. I get this kind of like... Remember, I bought this at a supermarket, so right. it could have been sitting there for a while. Right. I mean, A, I think this beer is really oxidized. I get this, like, cardboardy. I Oxidization to me is, like, a lot of people get cardboardy. I get to touch that, but I get this really weird, like, uh, like bad fruit kind of flavor to it. And that 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 usually springs to me as oxidization, just in, in my experience of palates. And if we go back to our quality assurance episode, yeah. that could happen at any point. Across the, it could happen uh, across at any board. point. It, it depends on your, your brewing practices. It could happen at day 60. It could happen at day three. Um, and, yes, the malt profile on this is quite large. Um, you can tell that they're trying to make this an IPA for the masses, right? Yes, but I don't think it's very good. Well, I'm not – I don't hate it. It's just not an IPA to me. It, it almost – um, I don't hate it. It almost it almost feels more like an amber in an IPA color, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, kind of, totally. Like a hoppy red. Yeah. Um, now, it, the question I have is, does this taste drastically different than when you had Widmer before they sold? Because to me, the experiment is for this, Widmer sold a while ago. Yeah. Did that change the quality of their core brands? I mean, I'd have to say yes. I mean, I remember Widmer IPAs being decently... Decently hopped and, and good bitterness bitter. and bitter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was also during the bitter wars, you know, the space race of the mid to late 2000s when everybody was just trying to bitter everything in the IBU craze and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I, I think this tastes way different. Um, I mean, just the color alone it was, was the first sign of that this is different than what I'm used to. Um, I don't hate this beer, but I don't want this beer. Right. And just as just as a reminder, we are going to be as honest as possible on this. We yeah. have we have had episodes where we try to be constructive and that's cool. And we like to do that as well. And we're not not going to be constructive here, but I don't want anyone to think that we're holding back. Yeah, because in this instance, I think it's a really interesting experiment to see what has changed. Well, and, and if we're holding back, 
then you're not going to get the, fee, the the true gauge of how the beer has changed, in our opinion, in our, in our, on our palate, uh, since we last had this type of beer. Yeah, and it's kind of twofold in the sense of, you know, we try really hard on this podcast to be constructive, to be informative, to not just be, you know, drunken idiots shotgunning beers and yelling about how terrible this, you know, this or that is a, that this or that is like that's that's not the goal here and if you've listened to this for the first time that's what you can expect in the future and in the past and if you've listened to every you know almost 60 episodes we've done you'll know that's what we do um so i am with you on keeping on that the other thing that makes it really easy to be honest with this is that i to be honest don't give a bleep because this is a sellout brewery and this does nothing for me in terms of local impact and that kind of stuff so i have no problem being maybe more honest than I would with somebody else, you know. I'm just going to – I'll use the brewery that I work for so I don't throw anybody under the bus. Say Breakside makes a, a beer that I don't care for or is quote-unquote a bad beer, blah, blah, blah. Um, I will be honest and critique it, but I may not just kind of bury it because right. I do want to support the local brewery and say, ah, this one's not my favorite because of this reason, that reason. This, I don't care. This beer sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't suck. You just don't want yes. it. Okay, fair, fair. I just don't want it. So there you don't, go. Good you don't, call. Good call. You don't want to overbury just because you hate that they sold out. Right, right, right. I am not interested in this beer. And, and I think it's quite different than what it used to be. For me, the thing with the beers, that the breweries that have sold, which we still haven't done a full episode on yet, we will get to at some point in the future, is I don't mind if you sell. If that's what you want to do, go for it. You're going to make a boatload of money. I just don't want the beer quality to get worse. And in some instances, the beer quality gets worse. In almost all instances. So that is why... To me, it's kind of important to to have these conversations because you I read a really interesting article that you posted on Facebook today, actually. Oh, did you read that? I did. I, I stole that from uh, Sean Burke's Facebook page, who is uh, one of the head brewers at he's the head brewer at the Glendevere Von Ebert. Gotcha. So very, I, very smart guy. I was a little bit confused with some of it because the guy's writing style was a little bit meandering. The but, guy's writing style was like, hey, let's quit being like pretentious D bags. But while I write this article as a pretentious D bag. Right. But basically the whole the whole thing was that craft beer is getting too caught up in the kind of the race and the chase of the really f- trendy stuff and that it's kind of affecting the quality of the beer. But I'm not sure that's the only issue. And I think the other issue in some cases is when you sell, the quality of the beer drops. And the sold breweries have the most distribution. So most craft beer drinkers out there are getting a Widmer or whatever and they're drinking it and going, oh, this is craft beer. Mm-hmm. When really they're having a, in some cases, mediocre. Uh, in other cases, just plain old average beer where they could be doing so much better. I think the right term is poor representation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would actually love to spend some time and really dissect that article. Maybe that that could be a, that could be a fun podcast. I mean, it kind of ties into stuff we talk about all the time in terms of the future of craft beer, where we sit now, where we're going where we came from is it in trouble is it thriving you know i i think that could be something fun to get into all right what's the next beer hold on i forgot they put it up here so i just want to read the upheaval uh label upheaval ipa unleashes a huge hop flavor and aroma with serious bitterness incorrect and a balanced finish hazy and bold oh they put hazy oh they said hazy upheaval is left unfiltered for the full ipa experience so it's hazy because it's unfiltered is what they're saying yeah, but I mean, like, Breakside doesn't filter their beer, so okay. like, unfiltered is is a kitschy phrase. You at know, le- at least in terms of that, that is so far off from what I tasted on that beer. But I will give I will give them this credit though. There's some marketing in there. That beer does not taste like a hazy beer, but you put hazy on it, and it looks hazy, and people will buy it. That is true. Another note: uh, mm-hmm. this Imperial, the Deadlift, was bottled on May 9th of this year. Oh. Yikes. So that might be where the oxidation could be coming from as well. Just Yeah, that's old. That's old in the supermarket old. Dang. And um, you're on Beavertron where people buy beer all the time. Yes. So you would think they decently move, especially a, a, a brand like Widmer. Yes, 100%. Deadlift boasts the strong hop flavor of an Imperial IPA without the way down. Citrusy and berry-like Nelson Sauvin hops milled with just enough malty sweetness and caramel character to balance the intense hop flavor and aroma. All right, so they're saying it's going to be fruitier and hoppier. Well, I think it looks great. Color-wise, I think it looks oh, great. That's a perfect color. It is so clear. It's kind of got the yellow-orange look to it, so it's not yellow beer. It's kind of like the right the right kind of color tone that you like. Right. The face you just made after smelling it was a little disturbing, but 
I don't know if I've had this beer in the past. This might be the one of the four that I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, if I've actually ever had it. Now, you know me, if you've listened to this or if this is your first time, not to repeat myself, um, I'm not the biggest double IPA drinker. Despite being a hophead and an IPA drinker, the doubles are not quite my thing. I, I like, like I like doubles a lot. Yeah, you like doubles. You're you're a big beer guy. You like the bold flavors. Yes. Um, to where I want, I am an alcoholic, so I like to drink all day. And double IPAs don't let me drink all day. Well, I like this one better than the upheaval. I would agree. I do I th- get a little bit of that berry berry flavor they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It is a little a little cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, they did they do say caramel flavor to kind of balance it out. I get that a lot, but to me, this isn't that is not a characteristic of a double IPA is caramel sweetness. It's the the extra hops kind of create a sweetness of their own. Yeah, and I feel like because they added that flavor into it, it's a little bit too much. You know, I uh, I wasn't really tasting the booze. At first, until it lingers in your back palate, yeah. and then you get the booze. That's the funny thing is, with both of these beers, the it's almost as if the old flavor of the beer is still there, but at the very end of the palate. Because the back end of Upheaval, to me, the back end of that flavor was so bitter. It was just sitting on the back of my tongue like, I'm bitter, I'm angry. But you don't get that when you're taking a sip. Right. This is very double IPA alcoholic at the very back end of the mm-hmm, taste. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I wonder if it's like it, they're still keeping that original flavor in there, but it's been lost in the process of whatever they're doing at AB InBev. Or who did they sell to again? Was it uh, AB InBev? Craft Brew Alliance oh, was, okay. the, was the team that got them, Red Hook, and Kona together, which uh, AB InBev bought 50% of. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if some of the stuff they added in when they were purchased 50%, the flavor's still there, but it's been... They said not weighed down. I'm going to go ahead and say weighed down by more mainstream ingredients, I guess. Well, I will uh, <clears throat> tell you this. There is a trend between this beer and the last beer. Oxidized? This beer is oxidized. Well, as I said, May 9th. What was the upheaval? The upheaval was April 25th. Oh, spoiler alert. They're fresher than the two in front of me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Por qué? Oh no! Um, I don't. I, I, do you remember having um, this beer? I do. Yes, but I don't. Not like upheaval. Like I think I had this once or twice. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember seeing it. I wish Widmer still made Drifter. That was the jam. Drifter Pale. Drifter Pale. I I would crush that beer all the time, and they like discontinued it because they said like the marketing or it didn't sell very well and i was like i don't know what you're talking about everybody i know drinks this beer and then they brought it back for a hot second we were like yeah and then we tasted it and we were like no what'd you do <laughs> <laughs> so that is definitely a this beer is not taste like i used to i used to love that beer back when pale ales were the jam in portland yeah bring back pale ales bring back pale ales like sierra nevada pale ale whoa all right all right all right um my question is is this. I can't find oxidation as a flavor. Like you said, you tasted it as cardboard. I don't get any sort of flavor of oxidation. So when you say it, I'm like, I believe you because they're older beers, but I don't taste it. Right. Well, I wonder I wonder if because it took me a long it took me a long time. And and again, like this this palette is still like learning and stuff. I mean, compared to the people, geez, compared to the people I work with all the time, I'm just this kid in the corner that's like, hey, thanks for letting me hang out. <laughs> um, but but in what I've tried to learn and what I've tried to figure out was I always had this weird flavor that I'd get from IPAs. Um, I really only notice it in IPAs. I, I'm not as great at noticing it in other beers, but I've noticed in IPAs and it's this weird, like, yeah, this like cardboardy, but this like old fruit kind of flavor to it. And I finally asked somebody, and they were just like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Then I was like, this, try this beer right here. And they were like, oh, that's oxidized. So I think that's what I'm getting. Okay. I hope so. I mean, I'm pretty confident about it. Um, But I wonder, but what I was getting at is I wonder, Mike, as somebody, you know, I mean, you definitely, you're the... What what what's the word I want to I want to say here? The the standard you have for beers is so much higher 
than when we first started doing this. Yes. That I wonder if you're used to that flavor. Is that you've had a lot of that flavor that it doesn't seem out of the ordinary. It, it might be the case. It's it's almost like we talked about with the um, buttered popcorn, mm-hmm. which is di- which diacetyl. diacetyl. Yeah. Look at me remembering and you, keeping buddy. information in my brain. Um, you said that because some breweries have that as somewhat of a frequent flavor, people might be getting used to it and then wanting the buttered popcorn flavor, which is bad. Especially in hazies. I see it in hazies all the time, too. Where maybe that's the thing here is I'm just, I don't get it because that's all I've had. Right. Because at least up until we started this podcast, when I started becoming a little bit more of a discerning craft beer drinker, I mean, I would just buy whatever was at the supermarket. I never checked the date. I never looked at anything. I just drank the beer. And generally, I thought they were all really good. I mean, there were styles I didn't like, but I was like, this is better than Yingling or this is better than Blue Moon, so I'm going to enjoy this. Totally. I mean, I would just say, remember when we, man, and we're so down a rabbit hole right now. Um, Remember when I think we did Dystopia Mm -hmm. as a beer of the week from Grains of Wrath, um, maybe like a month or two ago. And you taste that beer and you're like, wow, this beer's so clean and crisp and the hop character's there. Like these beers, you're not getting that that crisp, clean finish. And I'll bet you some of that in your palate is probably some oxidization. oxidation. It is very muddled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on at the same time, but there's no... And it doesn't really make sense. No. There's no kind of beginning, middle, end. It's just kind of like, why does this taste old? Right. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. All right, let's take a break because we have been rambling a little bit. All right. Coming up next... The last two IPAs that are here in front of us, the Russell Street IPA and the Secret Stash IPA, I have higher hopes for these two. Maybe I shouldn't, but uh, I have higher hopes for these two, and we'll see if uh, we find any that are at least redeemable. Hopefully. I've I've had both of these beers multiple times recently. Okay. So I'm I'm optimistic. Let's uh, do that next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. All right, let's dive right back into the last two IPAs we have from Woodmer in this Let's Experiment episode. Uh, we just did the upheaval and the deadlift, and uh, we think both are oxidized. <laughs> we think they taste different than we remember them tasting. They're not terrible, but they're not exactly what we remember them being. And we are curious as to whether or not the sale of Woodmer, 50% sale of Woodmer, has caused some of the decline in the quality of beer, or if it just was happening already before they sold. Um, I, I mean, we're assuming it was after the sale. Yeah, but- I mean, it, I would assume most of it is just expansion. You know, it's when you got to start churning beer out, and you're making a lot of it, and you send it all around America, you know, and, and to other places. You know, it it's it's understanding your market. We, we talked about this a long time ago in... Um, I don't remember what episode it was, but remember we was talking about like knowing your place, like don't get into the grocery store until you're ready. Yes. You know, be in the bottle shops and until it's, you know, not doing you service anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I think with this brewery, I think it's like, let's blow up and let's put our beer everywhere. But for some reason it's not selling. There's no reason to have four month old beer in Portland, Oregon, made in Portland, Oregon. There's just no excuse for that. Isn't that strange? There's no excuse for that. Send this beer somewhere else. I mean, is that Albertson's <clears throat> fault or is that no, it's, it's just not selling? It's the distributor. It's it's the distributor. It's not selling. It's the brewery not being in touch. It's just it. There's there's zero excuse for a hoppy beer, which is the most volatile beer when it comes to freshness, because the hops are the first thing that fall off for a hoppy beer to be four months old in this town made in this town, I mean, I can throw a rock at Widmer from where we are right now, and that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Well, you just poured a little bit of the Russell Street IPA. There's no descriptors. Now I'm sangry. (laughs) Sadgry. Uh, (laughs) Angriad. Yeah, angriad. Angrad. Angrad. Russell Street IPA doesn't have any descriptors on it, so I can't read what it's supposed to taste like. So let's just taste it. I think this beer was created to be part of kind of their rebrand, like when they, you know, when they kind of realized that, you know, they were big on the Timbers thing with with that sort of promotion, and they realized, you know, that 
they needed to do something to kind of seem fresh and new. The Russell Street IPA was kind of the big one that went involved with their their taproom pub down there, and it was more meant to be like a small batch pub series. They bought a 10-barrel pilot system to do some innovative things, and I think this is one of their first beers that came from that series that was like, ooh, I like it. People are digging it. Let's slap a label on it and put it on the market. And then they made it mass-produced because now it's one of their common IPAs you see out there. So this is better than the first two, I will say, um, because it's hoppier than the first two. It's not as malt-driven. It's got more bitterness in the back end. I'm going to go ahead and assume it's oxidized, even though I don't taste the flavor. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like it better than the first two. I do think this is better than the other two, for sure. Um I mean, yeah, it definitely tastes oxidized. Um, but I think there is some decent bitterness in this. Um, this is more, this is, I would say this is more of a contemporary IPA than the last two. I think that's what's most interesting about this. I don't know if this beer is long, is old enough to really know, like the brand is old enough to really know, does this what it tastes like? But this is kind of what new Widmer tastes like to me. So I would say that this is, Bucking the trend of deadlift and upheaval, this is the Widmer I know, the beer that tastes like this. So this post-buyout is the same. Does that make sense? Yes. So basically— The other two, I think, we think might have have probably changed. This tastes like modern Widmer. I think that's because this was a small-batch beer. Now, Mm -hmm. it might be mass-produced now, but it it was small-batch, and it's probably not sent— across the country like upheaval and deadlift are right it's probably kept fairly local because well it's more of a local beer named after a street in town where they where they are um i don't love it either i mean the the problem with this and kind of all the ipas we've had so far is what i've become used to is when we have an ipa you can almost distinguish the hop immediately Mm mm-hmm there's a very clean. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you're flavor. like, ooh, mosaic, ooh, Simcoe. I mean, bam, you, Citra. I'm getting better at doing that. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't know what hop you're tasting, you can taste the hop. Yeah, and you've kind of you've like, oh, I've had this flavor right. before. Whereas with these beers, including this one, even though it's better, is I taste bitter, but I don't get any hop character. Yeah. I almost get the flavor they want to have from hops, which is bitterness. Yeah. But I don't taste the hops. Or you're getting, I'm not saying you, but anyone, or you are getting a hop flavor, but it's like a muddled hop flavor. It's not, you know, it's not citrus driven. It's not grassy driven. It's not lemon drop driven. It's it's more just kind of like bitter hops. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, which direction are we going? And I mean, I... Not that this is an indication, but they don't tell you what they use, and they don't have any description on this. But if they told me what hops they use, it's probably like four, because it's way too muddled to be able to really tell the difference. Right. So it's better because it's not overly sweetened to be consumed by the mass beer drinker, but it's still leaving a little bit to be desired for me. And it's interesting tasting it in this setting, because I've had these with food. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like eating a, eating dinner, I, I'll grab a beer because it's in the fridge. And drinking it now with like a really, with an eye on trying to really taste the flavors, I liked it way more when I was just kind of drinking it with it, ignoring it mm-hmm. and having the food because it was beer and it tastes good and then, you know, you wanted to get a little buzz on or whatever. But drinking it now, thinking about it, they're nowhere near as good as they were when I had it this weekend. Yeah. Right. Because I was just drinking it to drink. Oh, you're just like sitting at home, mowing the lawn, playing video games, cleaning the house, whatever. Having a beer, yeah. Yeah. You're not thinking about the beer. Now I'm trying to you're just actively swigs. think about it, and it's like, oh, what was I doing? Well, it's funny that you mentioned some of that, because I'll say this, and then I'll pass this beer over to you. The last one we have is Secret Stash IPA. Now, this is the most recent Widmer beer I have had that I have said to myself, oh, not bad. I was at... Monday Night Raw in February at the Motor Center, and I think I had one there. Thought it was decent. I think even think I went back and got a second one. And I was at a Timbers game, and I think I've had this. Okay, could be I could be wrong. Could be thinking of something else. But I've had this recently. Uh, and what's interesting is you were talking about how on the Russell Street they give you no information, so it's just kind of this blah. Well, this one is our secret stash of hop hash. Hemp seeds and nugget hops. 
Okay. Nugget is a hop variety uh, that you can get locally uh, in the Willamette Valley, and it's an ale brewed with hemp seeds at 6.2%. So this is one that's actually giving you some of that information. And it sounds way more... Portland craft beer than the first three. A hundred percent. It's like it's it's got catchy words. It's got, you know, they're attention. Ex- they're to grab. experimenting. They're right. They're trying different flavors. They're giving you the specific hop, which I've actually seen a lot of nugget hops in beers recently. And, you know, hemp seeds, I don't know what the hell that does to a beer, but Oh man, this is reminding me of Fresh Hop a couple years ago. I think it was last year we did um this Slabtown beer we do all the time called Bazooka Face, which is a, a session IPA, like 4.8%. I love it. I smash it. I think that, that beer is super dope. And one year we did it with Fresh Hop Nugget, and it is to this day one of my favorite Fresh Hops ever. Ben Edmonds, if you're listening to this, and I know you're not, please make <laughs> not, Fresh Hop ben? Bazooka Face. <laughs> all right. So first of all, first thing I'm noticing is it's more of a yellow color than the, than the last three IPAs. This looks like West Coast IPA. It does. It also has good head retention compared to the first two, at I least in the way I, agree. way I poured it. So already I'm more excited because mm-hmm. to me this screams local craft beer, not mass-produced craft beer-ish. Smell-wise... I actually don't get a whole I'm lot. getting nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we said that at the same time. I was tastes, like, I'm getting the glass that it's yeah. in. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think one thing you got to give, we were allowed credit. to take a sip at the same time. Though. I know, I know. I just don't like dead air. Um, I think one thing that is kind of nice about this whole experiment that we've been doing is we're actually kind of going through the years of Widmer too. Like upheaval is an old school Widmer beer. So is deadlift to where Russell street's got a little age on it. Secret stash is probably their newest mass produced beer. Not that I would know what their, any of their small batch beers are because there's no like tap room or anything right. to go to. You can't get any of their beer anywhere unless it's mass produced now. Yeah. And if you notice at bottle shops, it's not on anymore. If you go no to tap place, rooms. No place I go to has no, Widmer. No place I've gone to has Widmer except for like restaurants. And they have. And grocery stores. And they have Hef. And that's mm-hmm. it. The restaurants will only have Hef. Uh, it's called Hefa. Excuse me. <laughs> and then the restaurants will only. I'm sorry. The grocery stores will have a variety, but it's still not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So first sip of this beer. I'm getting a lot of the same flavors I've gotten the last three, so I'm going to go ahead and say I'm learning oxidi- oxidization by just ex- getting bludgeoned over the head with it a little bit. Yeah, but, um, I, I mean, I would say there's a touch, but I think there's really good hop character in this. Okay. I, I, I'm struggling with this one to, to kind of nail down flavors, so go for it. I'll take another sip. What, what are you getting? I, I think what I enjoy about this is I think one of the issues with a lot of the other ones that we were tasting is that there are a little more pronounced flavors in this. I gotta, I'm going to have to take another sip before I dive too much in. This is just kind of generalizing. I think there's a little bit more pronounced flavors in this. Um, I don't think it comes across all up front, as like you were saying earlier, kind of muddled. I don't get as much of that. That seems a little more dialed back. Um, I mean, I do think this beer is oxidized still, but not to the extreme that the other ones are, which makes me think this might be a better recipe than the other four. Something that's kind of built for a little more shelf stability than the other ones. What's interesting to me about this is, surprisingly, I think I like it the least. Oh, really? And I'm not. it's not because of the freshness or anything like that. It, it, there's a flavor in there I really, really don't like. Oh, I was going to say it's toned down a lot more than the other ones. So that could be a reason why it might be, but there's, there's like so, less flavor to there, you. There's something sitting on my palate right now that I do not like at I'm the going very back. at the very end of it because I've just been listening. I haven't been sipping. I've just been listening. There's something at the end of it I do not like about this, um, and that's just that's just my own opinion on, on the palate of it. This might be the best beer on the box. It probably is. I mean, for for the craft beer drinker. I think this is the best beer on the box, but continue. But I there's something in this that I just I don't like. I want to do I'm going to try to do a little research here. Okay. Because I wonder if I'm I feel like I'm tasting like southern hemisphere hops. Okay. Well, you do the research. So, just as a recap quickly, Upheaval IPA tastes way maltier than we remember it tasting. It used to be a bit of a West Coast bitter bomb. Now it's super malty. Um, the I'm totally wrong. The deadlift IPA was almost too sweet. It was sweetened by caramel, which didn't need to be in there because double IPAs tend to have a little bit of sweetness anyway. But we agreed that both of those don't taste like old school Widmer beers. No. Russell Street <laughs> IPA 
tastes more like Widmer. Um, still muddled in the hops, but better. This one, there's something in it I don't like. So I'm very, I'm a very bad gauge for this because I'm not tasting a lot of the flavors. I'm just having one overarching flavor I hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you like it the best out of the box because it seems like new Widmer, and I do enjoy the fact that it at least appears to be like Portland craft beer where they're experimenting, right? And they're trying to trying new things, and they're being creative, and they're using the ingredients at hand, and that's cool. What, what's in it? No, no Southern Hemisphere hops at all. Nope, I'm totally wrong. The hop hash is Amarillo hop hash. I don't really know what that is. I don't know if it's like hop oil extract or what, um, but that's that. And then nugget, like it says on the bottom. Right. Well, I don't really have anything else to add. I think what we pretty. I think the moral of this story is that it's pretty wild that there's two chapters <clears throat> in Widmer right now. Okay. There's there's upheaval and deadlift, which are the which are the for lack of better terms, the mirror pond and Black Butte porters. Okay, let's Hefeweizen. The Hef is its is its own beast, and we've had the Hef recently on this podcast, and it's still a pretty damn good beer mm-hmm. for what it is. It's a pretty damn good beer. But upheaval and deadlift are old school beers that are trying to be modernized that are just not working. To where Russell Street and Secret Stash are Widmer's attempt at being modernized and trying to be something. Makes I think sense. that's where we're at. That makes sense. I think they all are rough around the edges. And again, there is no I will I will nail this home. There's no reason that we should be sitting here drinking four month old beer from a brewery in Portland, the size of Widmer. Agreed. Although I bet you and it, maybe we can make this a series that let's experiment because there are th- that could be a good way to broach the selling a beer segment without just ripping into these breweries. Uh, because I don't think we've really ripped into it. No, 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 no. But I think generally the thought from craft beer drinkers is if you sell out F you, you're terrible, right? right. That's generally the thought. I mean, I, I feel that way in my personal life, right? You know, I get really butthurt about it. Um, so I don't know if doing an episode on it, it's like, it would just become a rip fest. Yeah. Whereas we, maybe yeah. the let's experiment could be, we go to 10 barrel and we try a 10 barrel box mm-hmm. and, you know, we do uh, Hop, Hop Valley, Valley. Yeah. and we try some Elysian. of their beer, Elysian. There's a lot of staples. And it, we can see, and now not all of them are AB InBev, right? There's another company. Hop Cor- Valley Coors. is Miller Coors. Okay, Miller Elysian Coors. Elysian is AB. And then 10 Barrels AB InBev? Yeah. I'd be curious the difference between Hop Valley and the other three if there's a difference in quality. And it could just be, we could we could label it Let's Experiment, and mm-hmm. we can do a similar thing with those, with those breweries. I think that, we, that could be interesting. And especially, I would say for me personally, uh, Hop Valley and Ten Barrel. I have drank way more Hop Valley and Ten Barrel than I have Widmer. Widmer, and I've drank a decent amount of Elysian, but not as much as I have Ten Barrel and uh, Hop Valley. So we we can continue this series as we move on through the podcast. I like this idea. Let's 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 do this again. Let's improve it. Let's figure it out how to do it. If you guys have any any ideas for us, let us know because I think this could be something really cool. Uh, let's get to beer of the week next and have something that's better. Oh, this beer is going to like completely change your world right now. Well, it makes me very excited. That's next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And I cannot see what we have. So nice. please do us the honors. Well, it was my choice this week. And I had, I was going to bring in the Fresh Hop Elliot, as I had mentioned earlier on the podcast. But uh, the place I went to was sold out. So I talked to the connoisseur of beers there and said, Sir, what should I do for the podcast today? And so we started looking around. And I was thinking about grabbing a beer, and then he goes, oh, this just came in. You could do that. And if you're keeping tabs at home, you know that I have this list of breweries that I find to you're be 10 to 15. quite exceptional. Yes. This one is outside of the Portland city limits, but I am going to grandfather them in, as I think this list is actually now going to become the state of Oregon list mm. of 10 to 15. Okay. That I'm going to add. I don't add. I find this brewery to be of the highest caliber in this town. I think they make fantastic stuff, albeit they stick to one general style. Uh, our beer of the week is Bob Toberfest from Heater Allen Brewing in McMinnville. Bob Toberfest is a fest beer that they do. It is their Oktoberfest that they name after Bob, who Bob Allen, who is uh, 
uh, one of the original Heater Allen guys, and they release this every single year, and they don't make a whole lot of it. And if my past memory serves me correct, this beer is fantastic. Well, this is now probably the, what, third or fourth time we've had Heater Allen on the podcast. Probably not his beer of the week necessarily, but the third or fourth time we've had him. Yeah. And I think they make I think they make fantastic beer. Rick down there and Lisa, uh, those two make awesome beer. And Fest is one of my favorite styles of beer. And I know it's fresh off season. Everyone's jacked about it. But I'm more jacked that it's Fest time because I saw Occidental has a Fest beer out too, which I want to grab up my hands on. I got some Fest beer from Rubens when I was up there. Uh, I'm, I'm a happy camper. All right, less talky-talky, more pori-pori over sorry, here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And I can't drink too much because I do have to drive for four and a half hours. Well, you'll sober up by the end of the drive. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Not thing- when you start drinking halfway through, bro. <laughs> Not when you get a road soda, right? The uh, I got a road by the way, cooler. don't drink and drive. Yeah, don't drink and drive, guys. We're you, messing around here. You idiots. We're, we're yeah, making jokes. Okay? We're definitely joking. Uh, the, the thing about Heater Allen for me that I, I've come to appreciate is the fact that I didn't used to like this style of beer, a.k.a. like super European flavors and mm. really true to the old beers. And since we started having it on the podcast, I've been more experimental. I've been a little bit more open-minded when I go to the to the supermarket, and I will see Heater Allen there. And they tend to have four or five different types of Heater Allen where I go to New Seasons. Mm-hmm. And every single one I've had has been spectacular. Yep. And it's not styles I would normally choose, and yet I enjoy them. Now, Oktoberfest or Festbiers are actually a style I have always liked because to me, as the malt guy, as the malt guy, it was a really, really approachable style that reminded me a lot of an amber, Mm -hmm. which is one of the styles I originally liked when I first started drinking craft beer. I've never seen this, so I'm very excited about this. Also, this can looks nothing like their... Well, it looks a very little bit like their branding. I know, but it, they're still so simple with their branding. And I, I, there's something to just love and be desired about simplicity in branding. And Heater Island actually went through a little bit of a rebrand not too long ago, but their stuff still looks so clean, so fresh. Um, a really cool story about this beer. I haven't even taken a sip yet because I'm like over here, over here at Kid and Candy Store right now. Um, I was down in McMinnville on a little kind of like work retreat with some, with some of my peers at, at Breakside, and we were in McMinnville, and we had had a crazy 4th of July where we just got wild and everything was insane, and then on the 5th, we all went to Allegory and Heater Allen, and we stopped at Heater Allen, and Rick gave us a tour, and, you know, they were awesome, awesome people to us, and and I can't can't rave about the little tap room they have in downtown McMinnville. Definitely go if you're down there, and... They gave us a tour of the brewery, and I'm walking around just kind of looking in the tanks, and I looked at a tank, and it just said Fest. And I was like, excuse me, sir, is this Bob Toberfest in this? And he's like, actually, yeah, we brewed it a couple days ago. And I was like, all I want is this. (laughs) So it's funny that come full circle, I was like, oh, God, I have beer of the week this week. I don't know what to get. What should I get? What should I get? What should I get? Uh, oh, I mean, uh, the Oktoberfest from Eater Allen just came in. Ding, 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 ding. I will take that. And I'm going out of town, so I grabbed a four-pack. And so we're just cracking one because I'm going to drink the other three probably tonight. Well, the uh, tonight at night zero, the 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 first taste you have, it is like a reawakening again of my craft beer taste buds because I've just been having four old Woodmer beers and all of a sudden I have a sip and I'm like, wait, there's layers of flavor here. Right. Wait, I can taste specific things. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Remember what I was saying about like just. When you're like, oh, this finish is so clean and crisp. It doesn't matter the style, but you're like, it's not muddled. It's it, the the flavors are are chosen. And what's really funny is this is it, it it would be hilarious. And I'm making this up. I don't know this actually. It would be hilarious if the kids down at Heat Rowland were like, yeah, not our favorite Bob Toberfest this year. And we're just like, this is the greatest beer I've ever had <laughs> in my life because my palate is wrecked. And now this is awesome. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's sweeter than some Oktoberfest. There's a little bit more sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the malt character. Obviously there's a breadiness to it at the very end. Not necessarily like a, a Pilsner where you kind of get the bread right away. It's sweet, sweet, malty, a little bready, and then just a clean finish. And it's got a nice color to it. It's 
It's not one of those red Oktoberfest. It's more of it's like an orange Oktoberfest. That's what I was about to say. It, it's the lighter fest color in terms instead of the kind of more copper or I would say more amber fest that you'll see. This is a little more copper meets yellow. Um, the lighter variety. I tend to like the lighter variety colored because I feel like I get a little more lager presence, a little more kind of light beer presence. Whereas I tend to like a little bit of the darker. Right. So you're going to want to because you're going to get that extra malt profile. Although this is right in the middle. I mean, this is kind of this is pretty in the middle. I I get the malt, but I get some of the the lager body, too, which is why I'm saying the breadiness. And uh, there's a good kind of caramely sweetness at the beginning as well. This is a good beer. Yeah, it's out on the streets. Um, Probably not for long, right? Yeah, I asked. uh, I asked my, my boy. I was like, how much you get? He was like, got a case. I was like, oh, I'll get some when I get back into town. You get, you'll probably get more, right? He was like, I don't know, man. We might get a case. I got a keg, but I don't know if we're going to get any more package. So I I would I would honestly say, I mean, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably drink a lot of IPAs. But if you really want to branch out and do something different, if you're at Belmont, Beer Mongers, Cerveza, you know, whatever, whatever kind of. Whatever, wherever you get your craft beer that's more dialed in than than opposed to a, a grocery store. If you see Bob Toberfest on the shelf, I would highly recommend taking a shot at it. Uh, before we go, quick reminder, there was news with Widmer we didn't get to. That is true, yes. Um, there was a deadline that came and gone in August in which when, An- when Anheuser-Busch purchased 50% of Craft Brew Alliance, they put something in in like four, five, seven years. I don't remember how long it was. Anheuser-Busch would have the option to purchase the other 50%. Everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that they would just do that. Kona's been a really thriving brand. Anheuser-Busch would pay a $20 million penalty if they didn't. So it was kind of set up to hook up the CBA in whatever way they win. And in a surprise turn of events, Anheuser-Busch opted not to purchase the other 50% of Craft Brew Alliance, which... I think tells me that they looked and crunched the numbers, which I'm sure they did because they've got, you know, a massive team of people and said, sure, Kona being up 20% was not good enough for them to invest another $400 million. So what that tells me is I wouldn't be shocked within the next year if Widmer and Red Hook cease to be and everything is Kona and maybe Widmer Hef. But all those four beers that we just had today, that might be the last we have of those. Very interesting. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. Very, very interesting news. And Just uh, one man's opinion. It is, uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of, because I know nothing about big beer and how they do this. The fact that they had that decision and chose not to do it, I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that, in that room. Yeah, and everybody thought it was a foregone conclusion that they would. And, but but what, that, what that leads me to wonder is what the hell is going to go on at, down at Russell Street? If Widmer does, in fact, shut down, there was talk about moving their operations to Colorado because they can save like three cents on the barrel, which if you're making 150,000 barrels a year, you tell me what that kind of math is or whatever whatever the discount is, something about taxes. See, that's the thing is like Anheuser-Busch, they're not looking at it from like a beer standpoint. It's pure capitalism. Right. So it's like, how is this, you know, how does this make us money? Where do we save money? You know, what's the long-term investment? Um, I want to know what's going to go on at that state-of-the-art, the best, nicest brew house in the Pacific Northwest is down there on Russell Street. So just going to close up shop? So you're going to sell the building there. to someone else? Or? Yeah, someone going to move in there? Someone it's not exactly to... the best location, but... Right, but if you just want a mass production facility, I mean, it's there. Yeah. They've got a canning, a bottling line. They've got the best QA lab of any person. I mean, every brewery, if you want to get some tests on stuff, you send it to Widmer, and they're like, here's a giant nerd alert sheet of everything you want to know. Well, we shall see. We'll follow that closely, and we'll let you know what happens with that as it happens. Um... Coming up next week, either Fresh Hop episode number one or Tasting Room, how have these beers changed as, an, as a nice lead-in from this to the core brands that we were talking about. And then if you have any ideas, if you'd like Let's Experiment, if you want to see this continue, if you have breweries you'd like us to do for this, let us know. Beers on us on Instagram. And uh, our personal pages are at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. That's me. And Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram himself. Let us know and uh, give us ideas, especially for, for any episode that you have, by the way, not just for these, but just give us ideas of things you'd like to hear. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Traces.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.